and gentlemen, good morning to you. Happy Sunday, wherever you may be. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show. Wherever and however you may be watching and listening today, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is where you can like and follow me on all social media platforms. Also, subscribe to the home of the Snake Sports Talk Show. That is the Spotlight Sports Network and the Snake Sports Talk Show as well. And also, follow me on Spotify for all of the latest um podcast episodes really really excited to be here uh today with all of you guys we have a lot to really get into um by the way i mean yesterday's games was so much fun and there's going to be one in particular i'm going to break down but we had a lot of really good hockey action and by the way the nba playoffs is set now the bracketeer is finally set and ready for us to get going and um, from what I'm being told, I believe the playoffs either start tomorrow or they start Tuesday. Uh, but we're ready to go. We're ready to go this next this next up and coming week. And I can't wait to end up. Uh, <clears throat> I can't wait to end up talking about it with all of you guys. And there's so much more. Um, but anyway, I want to shift to this here because once again, there is one particular player who is on a mission. That's Damian Lillard. I mean, he was he was amazing yesterday. And Portland is there on a mission for one reason. Because all of this is basically just a uh, – it, this is mostly about, like, gaining respect. This is mostly about, you know, belonging in the category with a lot of these players, you know, in a playoff – in a playoff map. And so – Damian Lillard once again wows us all. And they played against Memphis. And listen, Memphis, they're a real good team. John Morant, I do believe, is probably one of the best future stars coming up, along with Zion and so many others. But Memphis, like I mentioned about some of these organizations, they're developmental organizations. They're not completely built for playoff basketball. They're not. So that's where I think, you know, yesterday what was so interesting <clears throat> and how Damian Lillard pretty much put, you know, he, he put everything that he had to getting the Trailblazers to winning the game, punch their ticket in the playoffs, and now they're facing the Lakers. And this is where that I'm saying that the Lakers are in trouble with this. Because outside of the starting five, their bench role is not great. And a lot of these guys, there are a couple of guys that are hurt, one that opted out, and it's not showing any signs that they could potentially make it far into the playoffs. And so Portland now being... Uh, being now the last team in because there were a bunch of teams that were fighting for it. Phoenix was one of them. Memphis being one of them and New Orleans. But what's the thing about those three teams? Why I don't think would have been worth it in the playoffs. Let's start with Phoenix. Phoenix was eight. No. Oh, they look like they're doing really, really well. Devin Booker. Definitely one of the best shooters. I can't argue that. 
But the problem of it is with Phoenix is outside of Devin Booker. You've got DeAndre Ayton who is still developing his game. He's a young, he's a young stud, but he's still developing his game. And there are a bunch more other pieces that are developing. The only veteran that you can really look at is Ricky Rubio. But this is also another developmental organization. And Devin Booker, and look, regardless of what Draymond Green says, we all know Devin Booker needs help. And he needs support. And which is one of the reasons why Phoenix, they would have not lasted against LeBron and the Lakers. How about New Orleans with Zion and with so many of these young talents? Great kids. I can't deny that. But here's also what was interesting yesterday is New Orleans fired their head coach. After the performance that they put up and what had been happening, they fired their head coach, which doesn't make any sense to me. I thought it was interesting. But here's the thing about New Orleans. They've got a future in Zion. Now, the only perspective about it with the Pelicans is that they were monitoring Zion very heavily with the ligament issue. You can't lose the weight. Some, you know, he needs a dietary plan and he needs this and that. Because not everybody in basketball are very used to his size. And there used to be players years ago that were his size. But what's interesting is, is that most of them didn't have long playing careers, which kind of makes you wonder what's going to be the playing length of time for Zion. Nobody will know. But New Orleans, once again, is really reshaping and refocusing themselves. And finally, Memphis. Memphis got rid of a lot of people. I mean, they moved on from Zach Randolph, Tony Allen, Mike Conley, Marcus All. They moved on from a lot of those guys. That was the grit team. The ones that were they were grinding it out in every, you know, in every game, every minute of it. And they were the ones that were basically in your face most of the time. But after that team was done, only a new face had to come in, and that was John Morant. And I love watching John Morant. I think he's a very, very impactful young star that I think is going to have a fabulous career in the league. And that's where a lot of people started to debate who really is worthy of Rookie of the Year. Well, I still think it's going to be John Morant, but Zion is built more for MVPs, and he's built for championships. But when you look at Memphis and their roster, it's another young roster. They're not built all the way to the extent that that they are an NBA playoff team. And that's where you look at Portland. And Portland... You've got Dame, you've got CJ, Yusuf Nurkic, Hassan Whiteside, and Carmelo Anthony. And there are a couple of real good role players. And so for Portland, this is not a young squad. This is a real good, talented squad. Maybe not to the talent of the extent of the Clippers and some of these other teams in the Western Conference. 
but Portland is pretty damn good. And Damian Lillard reminded you why, why, to me, why he's amazing at this point when it comes to close clutch games. And he's on a mission. This is where it's going to freak out and probably scare the Lakers. Because the fact that clutch shots like that, that's where LeBron and the rest of them have to stop Dame in his tracks because of it. And that has been multiple games for Dame. Portland, they don't, they don't show signs of slowing themselves down. They grind it out. They find ways to win. And they find the open opportunities and shots when they can take it. And Dame has been just that. And he's amazing at it. As I've said, second best shooter to Steph Curry. And arguably, this is where Portland is on a mission to probably gain the respects in the league, but also at the same time to show they're not the type of team that people can just poke around. Which is why Dame and the rest of them, they want to, they want to be further in the playoffs. They want to get past the Lakers. They want to get past the Mavs. They want to get past a lot of these teams. And they're all for a lot of reasons. Because in the end, you are seeing the best version of, Car of Carmelo that we've ever seen, where he's taken a role and he is very impactful in his role. And this is where I think it's going to be interesting to watch Portland. And this is a team, don't poke them and don't sleep on them. Because after watching Portland in the last couple of games, and what led up to yesterday's win is one of the reasons why Portland, they're on a mission. And they're coming for it. <clears throat> they are definitely the type of team that is ready to play. All right, so um, staying on the NBA, because now the bracket is set. Okay, we have a lot of teams, and I'll announce them here in just a second. But this is where it's it's now or never for all these teams. And I'm so ready for NBA playoffs. I mean, listen, I was ready enough for the Stanley Cup playoffs in hockey because I think that that was something that needed to happen. And we're back. And these bubbles in Edmonton and Toronto have really worked out for both the West and the East. And this bubble in Orlando has really worked itself out, which is why that, you know, as I mentioned uh, a couple episodes before in my show, that these championships that matter, the Stanley Cup and the NBA, because their seasons are already technically over. And now it's all about playing playoff hockey and playoff basketball. But the NBA, and these are the brackets now. So you've got the Lakers and the, Bla and the Blazers. you got... Rockets and the Thunder, Jazz and Nuggets, Clippers and Mavs, all in the Western Conference. In the East, you've got the Bucks and the Magic, Pacers and the Heat, Celtics and the Sixers, and Raptors and Nets. All of which I think are interesting. They're all interesting matchups. But I can only tell you, three of them are probably going to be cake games. That's Toronto against Brooklyn. That's Milwaukee against Orlando. And I'll, I'll even add in one more. Maybe Boston and Philly. 
because Philly has been having tendencies where this just this ain't working for them. And that's what's interesting. So those there are the teams in their own the East. In the West, it's interesting because you have a hell of a story in the Oklahoma City Thunder. Russell Westbrook leaves and in comes Chris Paul and they're a completely different team. And they're a team that's so much fun to watch. But that's where Oklahoma City, I think, to me, there's going to be an upset on it. I'm going to break this all down uh, very shortly here in in, in the show. Uh, some are probably coming up in the bottom of the hour. But I look at all, this, all these matchups, and I'm excited for playoff basketball. Because, again, Lakers and Portland, Portland's on a mission, and the Lakers, they're on one end where they – they're, they are trying to fight to get to the Western Conference Championship. We're not going to be talking about finals until, you know, we get to that point. Because ultimately, I mean, it's it's a lot to look forward to. It's a big outlook. You got the Rockets and the Thunder, which, you know, the Rockets, they're a small ball team. They're all about iso ball. Um, and the first game, they're without Russell Westbrook. And so here we go again with James Harden. When games are on the line and there is a lot of pressures, all you can ask for is for him to do a job and for him to execute. Because I think the last couple of times that we have seen James Harden and when he is not trying to complain about certain foul calls, he's a completely different player. But that's where he has to have his mindset in check. Nuggets and Jazz, I mean, I think it's a steady matchup. And I think it's definitely going to be one that's going to be fun to watch. But the Clippers and Mavs, the Mavericks, Luka Doncic is unbelievable. But facing off against Kawhi and PG, I think this is going to be a hell of a series. I don't think it's going to go all the way to the distance, but I think it's going to be fun to where we're all getting what we want. You're getting Kawhi and PG, both both really supporting each other throughout this game, whether one takes the lead over the other and vice versa. And then you've got Luca. You've got Luca who is not trying to chase for numbers. He's at the point where he's chasing for championships and he's really developed himself into that type of player, a player out, you know, a player overseas that is really making this happen. And again, I think it's a fun matchup. All the way around, not one that's going to be particularly easy, but still, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Bucks and Magic, I mean, this is what we said before. Giannis, Giannis is, I mean, he's on the top of the pedestal right now. The fact that Milwaukee has to make the Eastern Conference. This is what I told a lot of people. I don't think a lot of fans realize Milwaukee has to win. Because there are a lot on the line. Because it's all surrounding Giannis. And it's all surrounding what is going to be next for him. Will he stay or will he walk? And that's the part that really gets everybody when it comes to Milwaukee. Pacers Heat, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. My colleague will talk about it tomorrow on the Bench Report. You can check that out at 5 p.m. Pacific 
and uh, 8 p.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time talking about the Pacers and Heat matchup. But I think that that's going to be a lot of fun. And the Pacers have been very interesting. And how they've been doing it without DeMantis Sabonis is very interesting. I still think that Miles Turner really needs to wake up and really needs to shape his game much better than where he's at. And then you got Jimmy Butler, who on the other side of things, I mean, Miami, they're a very interesting team, hardcore grinding and getting through a lot of these games. But they're here now. And again, I never anticipated that, but they looked like a, a fun team to watch. Boston and Philly, well, you already know Philly's going through a lot of problems. Ben Simmons is done. Now all that's really the hope for Philly is Joel Embiid. But I doubt that, especially against a team like Boston with a really good head coach in Brad Stevens, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. All these players have popped. And it's all because of the fact that when Kyrie walked, Boston regained control, got regained uh, – I mean, Brad Stevens regained the leadership role. And that's where he was able to tighten these guys up, and they were able to play better. And finally, Toronto and Brooklyn. Well, Brooklyn, you already know, is without both their star players. That's Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving. And then a lot of these guys – and listen, I'm not going to take anything away from Spencer Dinwiddie or Karis LeVert. This team still doesn't have enough of the firepower really to make it through in the playoffs. And I know it's the Eastern Conference we're talking about. But still, if you don't have much of that firepower all the way around, you're not going to make it into the second round, let alone the Eastern Conference Championship. And Toronto's been very interesting. And after, and I'm not saying that Toronto's going to be the big thing, but – Nick Nurse has really worked this team well. Pascal Siakam, he's on a whole different level. And a lot of these players have really impacted themselves. No, I'm not saying that that's going to last for a longer amount of time because I still think that that's difficult. I still believe that once Kawhi left, they lost that portion of it. They're probably not going to end up getting it back. And that's where Toronto really needs to work on that. But overall, I mean, I look at all these matchups right now and there are three that you could kind of say are cake games. And I'll explain a lot about that more um, at the bottom of the hour. But this is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I'm so excited that playoff basketball is finally arrived and finally upon us because we've been waiting a long time for it. And it's worked out beautifully in Orlando. So this is what's going to make it even more exciting. Coming up, um, I'm going to be talking a little bit more <clears throat> on the last night's fight between Stipe Miocic, who retained his belt last night over Daniel Cormier, and what you know how, how we basically evaluated that whole fight. And as we mentioned, DC, we knew he was you know we knew at that point that was going to be the end. May not be the ending he wanted, but it was to a point where you know he's well respected. And it was much time – it was about that time. It was about that time for him. And so I'll be explaining a little bit more upon that fight, and I'll also be talking a little bit more on hockey as well coming up next, Snake Sports Talk Show.
Alrighty, folks, if you're just tuning in here, I really do appreciate you guys stopping by. Welcome back to the Snake Sports Talk Show. Um, <clears throat> yeah, as I mentioned, I mean, just the exciting portion of it now with this up and coming week, I mean, you still got the Stanley Cup playoffs that are currently going on. And, um, and you've also got the NBA playoffs that is finally sh uh, shaped. And I can't wait for it. You know, I think this is going to be the most exciting thing. And, and, and again, I can't wait for it to start anytime soon. But I wanted to kind of break into this because just the other day we started to kind of um, we started to kind of get some news in hockey. And one of those news was hearing about Tuka Rask. And Tuka Rask made the decision to opt out of the rest of the, the in play for hockey. And I think he's a real good goaltender. Definitely one that um, when the season start, when the season began, he was on a mission where they wanted to get back into the Stanley cup final. <clears throat> and after, after the loss against St. Louis, I mean, that kind of hit Boston right then and there, but now without, Tuka Rask in the middle of this. And Hyroslav Heilig is now the starting goaltender for the Bruins. Now, Boston's been having a bunch of these challenges. Before all this started, nine players were unfit to play. Tuka was one of them. And then you had David Pasternak, and you had a lot of these impactful stars in this roster. And Boston was not getting a break. They were not getting a break whatsoever. And it's not to say that this team is not like they're not strong enough in the Eastern Conference, because I do believe they are. But up to this point, the second, like in baseball, the second you lose your starter, somebody has to pick up the slack. And that's where Hayek has to really play well. And Boston up to this point, I've never been sold on them. I never have been. And a lot of people have literally asked me, what is it with you in Boston? Like, how are you not sold on the Bruins? There's just something about their game where, don't get me wrong, I love David Pasternak. And I also do love Patrice Bergeron. Little bit of Brad Marchand. But there are a lot of real good, talented players on the ice as well. And not to mention Tadino uh, Char, the big-time uh, vet. But but sometimes I always look for the long stretch in hockey, and that's usually right there in the middle of the second and then all the way to the third period. And Boston, sometimes they either come out really good in the first period, and then there are times where there are tendencies to slow down. And that is something that has been a, a big-time concern with me when it comes to the Bruins and versus anybody else in the West, in the Eastern Conference. I mean, you've got Tampa Bay. They've got a chip on their shoulder. They want to get into the Stanley Cup final badly because they are trying to prove a point. And you've got the Islanders, after moving on from John Tavares, they are the most defensive team. And even letting Robin Leonard walk, they go and get Semi Barlamov. You still have Thomas Grice. And this team is interesting to watch. One that I don't sleep on in the Eastern Conference. I think they're probably going to get past their series 
that they're playing in currently. And who knows what's in store for the Islanders, but they are a hell of a team. But in Boston's situation, you know, and, and, the, and against playing a tough team in Carolina, because Carolina upgraded a lot. And Peter Mrazek, real good goaltender, and he's been very solid. But they've worked a lot in their offense, getting Vincent Trocek, and they got some real good defensive pieces, Sammy Bodnin and Brady Shea. And it's going to be interesting to see how far Carolina really, truly makes it. And remember, this was a team that made it into the Eastern Conference Final, got stopped by Boston, and Boston made their way in. Now Boston kind of feels like they've got their backs against the wall. No Tuka Rask, a couple of players are hurt, and it's hard really to determine how far Boston will really go because this is a series of unfortunate events for them. All the things that have happened in the recent days and even in the, the last couple of weeks. But I'm not saying Boston's not going to be strong enough to get it through it, but it's not going to be an easy task as everybody thinks it is. There are a lot of, there are a lot of challenges in front of them, but it's only by how they, they take on these challenges head on. Um, but again, it's not to say that they, they can't possibly do it. Like they, they can't possibly go in in these matchups and truly find ways to to win these games. So, um, but that's where a lot of that speculation is going to be on Boston. And we'll see to the very end what will happen to this team. Time now for the hot press. So some really, really good news that sparked up uh, – <laughs> That sparked up the the, the entire uh, news. That uh, sparked up the news feed. Uh, so Washington is now expecting to activate Alex Smith from the pub list uh, as soon as today. Uh, Alex Smith, as we mentioned, had been uh, carted away two years because of the uh, the gruesome leg injury that he had suffered. Um, uh, lots and lots of videos have been posted on Alex Smith and his recovery and how he's been able to work out and really rehabilitate his leg. And he looks great. He looks great. He looks like he's in real good shape. And uh, and listen, I, I like Alex Smith. I really, really do. But that is the most difficult road I've ever seen a player go through at the age of 36. And the fact of the matter is, is that we know Washington is, is very much reshaping and they're redeveloping. I mean, you've got a new head coach in Ron Rivera, you've got a new playbook, and you got it, and you got brand new players. I mean, you've got Chase Young, who's going to be an absolute um, defensive juice for this team. And it's going to be interesting. It's really, really going to be interesting for this team and what the next what next season is going to bring for them. But I don't expect truthfully when it comes to Alex Smith and when it comes to Washington, uh, that this is going to be a, you know, a huge deal for them. It's a great story. Don't get me wrong. I really, really do. But of course you got speculations on Dwayne Haskins. you got speculations on a lot of pieces. And so that's where 
Washington, it's going to be interesting to watch them and how Ron Rivera is really going to settle this whole thing. Uh, so, uh, as we mentioned, Daniel Cormier and his loss to Stipe Miocic, as uh, Stipe had retained his championship belt, uh, DC had announced before that it's like his fighting career has definitely come to an end and doesn't see himself coming back. This was, um, this here was Daniel Cormier after the fight. I'm not interested in fighting for anything but titles. And I don't imagine there's going to be a title in the future. So that'll be it for me. You know, I've had a long run. It's been great. I mean, I just fought my last fight for a heavyweight championship. And it was a pretty good fight. So It was a great fight. It was a great fight. You've been a great champion. And you will, without a doubt, go down in history as one of the greatest combat sports athletes of all time. Joe, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you, guys. Thank you, sir. So Daniel Cormier, of course, losing the um, losing the title fight to Steve Miocic was definitely hard and definitely not one that was easy to walk away from. Uh, but D- but DC was definitely like he- he's such a humble guy, you know. He's he's the type of person that he's he's like a teddy bear to be honest. You know, he's the type of person if you get him on his good side, he's a, he's a really really nice guy, and I think he's very down to earth. Uh, but by the time that you're you're fighting in combat sports and you're, um, you know, you, you got title fights in front of you. He is very much a competitor. And after last night's fight and watching the highlights of it, I mean, Stipe looked really, really good. And he looked real focused, was not going to allow DC really any breaks, was not going to end up allowing it. And so, of course, this is where the journey road ends for DC at this point, the 40 year old, uh, definitely hanging it up. And I mean, he had a really, really like, he had a a great career, not maybe, maybe not one to an extent where, you know, a lot of us, because we, we, you, if, if most of the fans and I definitely agree with this because every time, like the whole, the whole basis of it, was the fight between Daniel Cormier and John Jones. That has always been the speculation of it because John Jones sometimes had some stuff that he had some baggage that he had to clear up and DC was always, always waiting. So there was a point in DC's career that I think that it just kind of, it kind of looked at it and said, look, it's, it's not going to be worth it. It really, really isn't. So I figured, you know, and, and despite the loss, Still having a really good career in combat sports, no doubt about it. Um, but a very, very nice guy. Very, very well-rounded. And finally, um, so the Clippers, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they ended up talking about, you know, their chemistries and stuff like that during the hiatus. And um, and so this is the first ever playoff series together between PG and Kawhi. And this is where the speculation is going to be very, very high for the Clippers. And especially against a team like Dallas with Luka and Chris Tapps Porzingis. This is what's going to be very, very interesting. And so both of them ended up expressing themselves about their chemistry. Um, and this is, uh, this was kind of, this was one of the, uh, the quotes that happened was I went down to where uh, he was at, uh, near San Diego, he came to where I was at, you know, near Los Angeles. This was Paul George. And they spent time together. The whole group did. 
not just me and him, on occasions. The whole group kind of spent time together through the hiatus. I think we made up a lot of time while not being together. I think we made all that back up during this hiatus. It kind of um, expedited this process being here. Now, I know a lot of people have had their thoughts about the Clippers the second that, you know, they, they came into this bubble and the second that the hiatus was going around. And so for the Clippers, people were kind of wondering, are they, you know, are they really the same team? Well, everybody has their speculations on all these teams. I mean, again, people ranted and raved about the Suns, but we know that the Suns are a developmental organization. Same with Memphis and a lot of these other teams. But if you look at the Clippers from top to bottom of their roster, I mean, they're stacked, they're loaded. And this is a team that, again, I do believe are willing to win a championship any way that they can. But all these other teams that are here in the playoffs, Lakers, they give me some concerns. Uh, the Bucs, they can't lose this year. They have to win the East. Toronto, interesting, looks a lot better, but it's going to be difficult without Kawhi. And there are a lot of speculations on some of these teams. But the one fact that you have to understand with the Clippers is that they have all the right pieces on both the starting five and even on their bench. And that's particularly the role that the Clippers are riding on. And again, yes, with the hiatus that, go, that was going on and how they were returning back to basketball was not the easiest. And that is where the Clippers were taking the first steps to rebuilding the chemistry back. And that's why I said, watch out for playoffs. Because this Clippers team is for real, and they're ready for it. And I can't wait for the series to start anytime soon. But. All right, well, that was your hot press. So coming up next, I'm going to be talking a lot more about uh, the NBA playoffs and these playoff structures and what I think about them. And then, of course, leading over to my best for last, as I mentioned, was, um, you know, yesterday I did the best commentating from a couple of real good uh, broadcasters that I've listened to. So I will continue that once again coming up next here on the State Sports Talk Show.
All righty, folks. Welcome back here to the Snake Sports Talk Show. Really, really do appreciate you guys tuning in and commenting as well. Really do appreciate the love and support. Um, so, by the way, I mean, I watched a, um, a small little video of Alex Smith and his family. Very, very, um, very excited of the comeback uh, for him going back onto the football field. You know, this was interesting. So, um, so I, I basically ran into this. And I thought that this was interesting to really look at with Alex Smith. So Alex Smith, his leg was shattered on November 18th of 2018. In those days, he got sepsis, which almost nearly took his life. And it's not easy to recover from something like that, let alone even battle. Um, in the next month, he spent the time in the hospital, then three in a wheelchair, then eight in an external uh, fixator, and he had 17 surgeries within nine months. And he's getting cleared today, going back onto the football field. And to me, that does show a lot of pure determination for a guy like Alex Smith. Again, I like it. I think, he, I think his story has been, like, fascinating. And the fact that he's able to come back from this is one that's unbelievable and one that I think is um, something I've never seen before. But what a hell of a story it'll be. I'm not sure what this, this, the – I'm not sure what the perspective will be um, for Washington, but I really do love the story, and I hope that it really does pay off for Alex Smith because he definitely deserves every moment of this, especially with what he's gone through all in the span of two, uh, two years. And to finally be able to touch the football field again is an absolute blessing. And, again, I don't think he'll play for so long because, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's really shaky. It's really, really shaky. And you have to think about it. I mean, the guy is 36 years old. And there are parts of your body that just starts to wear and tear. And that there was not easy to recover from. With those amount of surgeries and with those amount of like, you know, rehabilitation to get it right. It's just one that I, I just think is really incredible. But we'll see what it pans out for him in the end. So I'm going to end up breaking down this NBA playoff bracket officially. So since it's now uh, – since we now officially have the teams all here in this bracket, we're going to be breaking down each of these games. And again, I think that this is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to watch, fun to watch. And we might actually get some upsets. We might get some upsets. We'll get some games that are going to be cake. And I think they're going to rush it through in the playoffs. So let's go ahead and let's start first off with the Eastern Conference. Because the Western Conference, we know, is kind of interesting. But let's start with the East. So you got the Bucks and the Magic. We all know that the speculation is all on Giannis. Where Giannis has to win the East. And Milwaukee is taking the first step against Orlando. I think Milwaukee will make it through in this matchup probably by five games at best. They'll make it in five games. And they'll be moving on to the second round. Because, look, even though that I like Aaron Gordon and I like Orlando, but they are a yet another developmental organization. They have good pieces, but they don't have the right pieces. 
And look, Milwaukee, this is basically, to me, a pickup game where guys like Giannis and Chris Middleton and so many others have to put in the work just to see where they stand, where they sit at, and how this is all going to really pan itself out. Um, so I do see Milwaukee taking this game in five against Orlando to move on to the second round. Uh, Pacers and the Heat. Now, this one's very interesting. I think this is going to be a fun matchup in the Eastern Conference, one that I think is worth watching. Uh, because, look, the Pacers, they're playing without DeMantis Sabonis. TJ Warren's been an interesting player all throughout the playoffs. Miles Turner's the only one that needs to wake up throughout all of this because watching Miles Turner in his game, he was not completely on. And that was what was kind of the, the eye opener for, for Indiana. But on the other side with the Miami Heat, they signed, they get Jimmy Butler and they get a couple of these real good young stars, Bam Adebayo, Kendrick Nunn, and the rest of them, they form them up. Now, this is a young team, believe it or not. This is a young team that is developing, but they're only getting better. And Eric Spolster has really put this whole roster together, and he's really put up this whole, this whole starting five and the rest of the bench together on the floor to get real good quality minutes, real good quality shots, and just doing everybody's jobs, just playing their roles. I thought they were doing very, very well at it, and it's what's paid off. But if you had to ask me between the Pacers and the Heat, I think this is probably going to go the long distance all the way to seven. And I'll be damned if Indiana does make it through. Now, I do like Miami, and I think it's going to be tough for me. But I'm going to say Indiana in seven, or uh, I'm going to go with Miami in seven, to be honest. Because I think that this is going to be the hard grinding game um, in the Eastern Conference. And I think it's going to be interesting. And then they will be facing the Milwaukee Bucks uh, in the second round. Boston and Philadelphia. Well, you know Philadelphia right now is under a lot of pressure and they're in trouble. And I don't see them really making it far. I do think that Boston may take this game in five. Because th this is one that I think is, is cake for them. Because let's be honest. This process thing with Philadelphia has never worked. It's never worked. It's a bunch of crap. And they really need to fix their chemistry. And all of that is they need to get a new head coach. They need to do something with as far as Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid because the both of them don't work on the same floor. And a lot of these guys, and you can see these chemistry issues, you got Joel Embiid fighting with Shake Milton on the bench and you're there on television where everybody's there to see, okay? And so that's what's the most embarrassing moment there for Philadelphia. But they really, really need to fix themselves. Otherwise, they're going to end up imploding. And it's not going to be good for them. But for Boston, meanwhile, I mean, they're a tough team, both offensively and defensively, which is why that I think winning this game in five, they'll make it into the second round. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch. And finally, the um, – the Raptors in the Nets. I think the Raptors are definitely going to win this in five. And the only reason of that is, is one game will be determined by either uh, Spencer Dinwiddie or uh, Karis LeVert. But the rest of it is all Toronto. I mean, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Marcus All, really, real good players. And again, 
I have yet to see how far that they will take their talents, but I have yet to see exactly how that's going to, how that's really going to end up. But I do see the Raptors winning in five and moving on to the second round against Boston. So you've got Milwaukee against Miami. Uh, now this is going to be an, an, an interesting thing because I think when you look at the setup, it couldn't have been set up any better. So the Bucks against the Heat. The only thing that Miami to contain Milwaukee is you got to be in Giannis's head, and then you got to shut down all possibilities of of open chance shots, and that I think is what's really going to pressure a guy like Chris Middleton. And so I think, to me, I do believe the Bucks make it through, but it's only going to be in seven games. I have the Bucks winning in seven, and because I think that this is going to be a back and forth game, because a lot of the speculation is it ain't just on Giannis, but it's also on Chris Middleton and how he how he works under pressure, and that's the part where he's he's now going to there. The spotlight's on him, and how he's really going to help out as being the best supporter for Giannis. So they'll make it to the Eastern Conference, and then you got Boston and Toronto. Now, I think this is a really, really great game here in the East. I really, really do. You got Boston, who's got control of themselves, um, and they're, ve- they're a very defensive team. And you've got Toronto, who also, I mean, they're, they're in a position where they are playing well without Kawhi, and it's really panning out. But this game, I know for a fact, is going to go to seven. And I'm going to lean my way with Boston. Boston's really clicked in all sorts of areas. And listen, do keep in mind, without Kyrie at the time, Jason Tatum was playing, like, he was playing great. He was definitely playing great. And that was the part that we started to speculate about Jason Tatum and the type of player that he is and what the future holds. And I think it was very interesting watching him playing without Kyrie and without Gordon Hayward, he was able to make it happen. But now Hayward is healthy. You got Jalen Brown and you've got a lot of really good role players for Boston. But Brad Stevens really knows how to coach, knows how to put this whole thing together, and they're a very defensive team. So I expect it to be going to seven, but I do believe Boston will make it through and they'll play Milwaukee in the East. And so for me, now we're in the Eastern Conference Championship, and that is Milwaukee against Boston. I think this game's going to go to six, and I'm leaning towards Boston, and Boston's going to end up going to the finals. Look, I love Giannis, and I like what the Bucks are doing, but once again, there's so much pressure, especially in atmospheres like this. Chris Middleton has to prove to himself that he is a capable number two next to Giannis. But I don't believe he is. And they've got some real good role players. But Boston, to me, really looks like the tough, legitimate team, both offensively and defensively. And that's the part that I I really do think is what's going to hurt Milwaukee in the end. Because, again... This is a year where they have to win the East at all costs, but I still don't believe that they will. They'll make it to the Eastern Conference, 
but they won't be Eastern Conference champions and making it into the finals because that is the one thing that is willing to keep Giannis. But I don't believe that's going to happen. I do believe that the Boston Celtics, they're going to make it through and they're going to represent the East in the, uh, in the NBA Finals. So now let's move to the Western Conference now. So the first game you have the Lakers and the Blazers. This is what's going to be interesting, and you pro I'm probably going to get some heat for this one. So the Blazers, you know, Damian Lillard and CJ, they are all on they are all on a mission. They are all on a mission on this. I think this game is going to go all the way down to seven. I do believe this is going to go to seven, but call me crazy, but I'm more leaning towards Portland than I am leaning towards the Lakers. Listen, this is no disrespect to LeBron, and there's no disrespect to Anthony Davis or the Lakers. But outside of the starting five, you don't have a legitimate bench. Okay, you're asking a lot for Alex Caruso, and there are some plays that he can make and some shots that he can make, but it's not completely like what I would say, quote-unquote, like a, a Derek Fisher-like when he comes off the bench. And then you've got KCP, you've got a bunch of these other players, I just don't think it's going to match well for the Lakers. I feel like they're going to be overly dependent on LeBron once again that they have been all throughout this, like through the season and through the bubble. I think they're going to be very over-reliant on him, and that's where Damian Lillard is going to shine. He's going to take advantage of those opportunities. The bench is really going to start to come alive for Portland, and I think they're going to end up beating them in seven. I do think Portland's going to make it through the second round. Rockets and Thunder. So I think this is going to be interesting because now you've got Oklahoma City facing off against Russell Westbrook and James Harden. And Westbrook's not going to be there in game one. Not going to be there. But listen, I, I do truly think that Oklahoma City is a really, really good story. I really, really do. Uh, but I just think that there are still a lot of these development teams. You know, like th this is a team that's really developing. They got real good young players. One that I think in the future, they're going to be real good stars. But I don't think it's going to be to the extent where Oklahoma City is really going to make it through. Now, it's not to say Chris Paul is not going to give Houston a hard time because I think he will. Um, and I think Houston's probably going to win this in six. I really do. I think Houston, for the small ball that they play and ISO ball, it may work to get to the second round, but I don't believe it's going to work to potentially get into the Western Conference final. I don't think so. Um, Denver against Utah. Now, this is an interesting matchup that it's tough for me to really kind of overlook because, number one, I love Nikola Jokic. I do love Donovan Mitchell, and I do love what the Utah Jazz are doing. Um, but there are a lot of challenges for these guys. The challenge is, is Denver is trying to be a competitive team. And then you've got uh, Utah, which, again, I don't know how the chemistry is between Donovan Mitchell and, and Rui Gobert. And I think part of that is the fork in the road. And so I think this game's going to go all the way to seven. I really do think so because Utah's willing to put up a fight. Denver's willing to put up a fight. But that's where I think 
Nikola Jokic is really going to start to move the team, and they'll make it through into the into the second round. So I I was big on Utah at one point because I thought the chemistry of this was really really good. Then COVID hit, and now a lot of the spe- the the, um, the speculations change, and that's where I think it's going to be difficult for Utah in this in this playoff series. But I do think it's going to go to seven, and and Denver is going to make it through. And finally, the Clippers and Mavericks. I think this game's going to go right into six because, uh, listen, there are going to be some games that Luca is going to go off. He's going to end up, sh- you know, he, he's going to be shooting a bunch and he's going to be putting up some real good numbers. But aside from numbers, he's got that drive and determination that we've seen in the last couple of games. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch. But the Clippers, this is playoff mode for them. And the chemistry is going to be completely different. And I think the chemistry is going to be fixed up real well. And I do believe that Kawhi and Paul George are really going to make this work. So expect that. And they've got plenty of depth, both on the starting five and on the bench. And I think this is going to go right to six. So I think the Clippers are going to make it through. So in the second round, you've got the Blazers and Rockets and you've got the, uh, the Nuggets and the Clippers. So uh, Blazers and Rockets, this one I think is going to go right to six. And I think Damian Lillard is going to beat Russell Westbrook again. You know what the record is between Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard and Russell Westbrook. Russ is two and seven. And Dame is seven and two. And so Dame has had Russell's number for a long time. And he's even an, an, an he's probably the one of the most efficient shooters in the NBA, much better than Russ. And that's where, again, this happened before, and Russ proved that even when well, uh, and that's what Dane proved against Russ in Oklahoma City. I feel like that that's just going to come back to him again. So I think this game's going to go to six, and we're going to see Portland in the Western Conference Final again. And that's where I think, you know, this is where Dame is a man on a mission. This whole team, they've got a chip on their shoulder. And this is one that I think is going to be interesting. And finally, you got Denver and um, the Clippers. I truly think the Clippers will make it through. And I think they'll make it through in six. Nikola Jokic is going to have some real good games. Do not mistake this. He's going to have some real good games. But I think at the end... The Clippers are going to be playing games like this where they're going to reevaluate, they're going to reshape on their offense and play defensive ball. And that's where I think the Clippers are really going to shine. So by six games, you'll see Kawhi take some time, uh, PG take some time playing on the court and really making some real good efficient shots. So I do believe the Clippers will end up beating the Nuggets in six to make it to the Western Conference Final. And now, This is where the Western Conference Final is set. It's Portland against the Clippers. And I do think this is going to go all the way to the distance in seven. And as I've said, I'm not counting out the Clippers here. Not counting them out. I truly think that the Clippers, with the chemistry that they have and how that they're working past this, I think the Clippers are going to make it through. That's been shaky once they got back in back on the court through this hiatus. 
and really started to redevelop their chemistry and building themselves back up again, they're ready for it. They're ready for it. And I think this is going to be fun because you're watching Dame and CJ versus PG and Kawhi. I think that's going to be a hell of a Western Conference final to watch. But in the end, Kawhi has tricks up his sleeves. PG, I mean, second half PG is unbelievable. But that's where everybody's going to come together on this roster. So that leads to the prediction of the NBA Finals, which is going to be between – Western Conference champion, LA Clippers, and the Eastern Conference champion, Boston Celtics. I think this game's going to go the full distance at seven. And no more, no longer will this team be the low ball of the NBA. And I do believe the Clippers will win the championship. This has been the plan with Steve Ballmer. And Jerry West, since they officially signed Kawhi and traded for Paul George. They have a really good roster of players. This is not to take it away from the Lakers. And this is not to take it away from any other team in the Western Conference or even in the NBA. But I think it's going to go in seven because the fact of that, that Boston, they've regained control. And when, Kawhi, when Kyrie walked... They've been a much better team without him. Jason Tatum lighting it up. Uh, Marcus Smart and a lot of these really good role players, they all benefited. They all benefited through this. And that's where Brad Stevens is a really good head coach. You take Kyrie out of the mix and you can actually see the coaching style of Brad Stevens and what he's able to do for this team. So you're going to see mixtures of offense defense you're going to see a little bit more physical play but i do believe that the clippers will grind it out in seven and they'll win the championship and no longer will they be the low ball of the nba at some point soon they're going to get a new uh they're going to get a new arena um and i think that that's what's going to be the stepping stone for the clippers and knowing and, and this is where more of the respect is going to go to Kawhi. Because we all bashed on him with load management, all of this and that. But if you truly look at Kawhi's game, he's smarter than people think. Okay, that's the reason why he took 20 games off. He understands his health. He knows what he's limited to do. But more of his time that he invests and he puts in is all in the playoffs. And you can clearly see it when you saw it in San Antonio when you saw it in Toronto and what you're going to see in it with the Clippers. And I truly think Kawhi will end up being the hero again. PG will finally have his championship and, uh, and the Clippers will be on the map. Now I know a lot of people probably will feel weird because it's such a, you know, it's such a Laker town in Los Angeles, but at least at the end of the day, you've got a smart ownership in Steve Ballmer, a smart general manager in Jerry West. And they really put this thing together. That's why I'm not shying away from this team. That's where I think it's going to be interesting. So, um, so yeah, that that's where I have it in this bracket. I think it's interesting. And you've heard it from me first. Uh, but I'm excited for the NBA playoffs. 
I really, really am. I think that after everything finally got back together again, this was going to be an interesting, this was going to be an interesting playoff matchups. Very interesting, but so, so exciting. So can't wait for it, but that's my thought. I think it's going to be the Clippers and the Celtics in the NBA finals. And it's going to go all the way to the distance in seven and the Clippers will be the champions. And we have yet to see that in game one in round one of all of these matchups. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for tuning in here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. Uh, like I said, like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter and Instagram for all of the latest social media platforms and posts that I put up daily. Subscribe to the home of the Snake Sports Talk Show. That is the Spotlight Sports Network and the Snake Sports Talk Show also. And follow me on Spotify for all of the latest podcast episodes. Thank you so much for a fun-filled weekend. I had a lot really to digest and finally ended up uh, unloading um, what was a packed show all throughout this weekend. Uh, I hope all of you guys have a great Sunday and have a great week ahead. And for those of you that are tuning into the playoffs, good luck to all the teams. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and again, we still got Stanley Cup playoff hockey going on, and I'm excited for Vegas. And tonight, this is going to be interesting, but uh, lots of these games have been very exciting. Not one of them that has not disappointed me, but <clears throat> but this is the fun time, right? This is exactly what we needed. We all needed this positive uplift. uplift. It's not a distraction to me. I think this is something that really kind of boosts up our spirit, and I'm very excited that we got playoffs back. So thank you all for tuning in. This is Jake the Snake signing off. Have a great weekend, and have a great week. We will see you next Saturday for the next edition of the Snake Sports Talk Show.